to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N Tulsa.org. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first. So this is going back three, way back to one of those other chapters before even Belshazzar, if you remember, is the one where they had the writing on the wall. This is before that. He's going back in the third year of Belshazzar's reign. So now Daniel's 85, and he's going back when he was probably in maybe his 40s or 50s. 40s or 50s. And I saw in the vision, and when I saw, I was in Susa, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was at the Uli Canal. Now, now here's the deal. He's, he's going back to something. If Sankey were to say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm terrified. I come before you. Last night I had this dream, this vision. And let's say that like, you know, like a couple times a year I had visions or revelations and they were right every time. You'd be like, and I, and I said, hey, here's my concern. Some things are going on politically. Some things are going on. Last night in this vision, it showed me the, the Great Wall of China. And it was horrific. There was blood all over the Great Wall of China. And some of us were there and, and it was horrific. And then there was this, this vision of uh, Mao's uh, Tiananmen Square. So if you know China and you know Beijing, Tiananmen Square, and how Mao had oppressed literally just generations there. Who would you think would probably be the enemy? Right. China, right? Like, and so this is what's happening. So that, the same way that the uh, Great Wall of China and Tiananmen Square and China is very clear to us, when he's describing this, this is what they're picturing. So this is weighty and scary because these are dangerous, dangerous, powerful world powers that they are fearful of. And so he says, um, I raised my eyes and saw and behold a ram standing on the bank of the canal. It had two horns. Both horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher one came up last. I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward. So you see, westward, northward, southward. So no beast could stand before him. And there was no one who could rescue him from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. So it's a picture of this country and this power taking over, just like they've heard repeatedly in chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So um, Daniel is taken up in this vision. He's in Babylon. This, this, this picture that he's seeing, he's describing a scene that they know of in Susa and the canal. And they're going, that's Medo-Persia. That's Medo-Persia. They've heard that before, right? Uh, from, from the statue and from the four beasts. Um, and he says, um, this is what's going to happen. Medo-Persia is going to come and take over. This ram that no one can stop. That's going to be interpreted later. Um, then the next section, look at 5 through 8. As I was considering, behold, a male goat. So first we have a, a ram, and now we have a male goat came from the west across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes. Now we want to know what does that mean? Not touching the ground. We want to know what does the horn look like? What is the horn symbolic of that? that remember, step back. What's God wanting to show us here? Um, it came to the ram. He came to the ram with two horns, which I had been standing, which had been standing on the bank of the canal. And he ran at him in his powerful wrath. Notice these verbs. 
I saw him come close to the ram, and he was enraged against him and struck the ram and broke his two horns. And the ram had no power to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled on him. Doesn't matter, right? We're in America. What if this was you? What if this was forecast for our country? Do you know how many conspiracy theories popped up just when COVID started about all the different countries? Like not only our own politicians, but also all the, and, and I mean, it just, and people just had all kinds of thoughts and stuff. This is God's word. God's saying, I'm telling you, the first one's going to be bad, the ram, the goat's going to come, and it's going to be horrific. And so Alexander the Great, if you know the story, comes in and just destroys people. They literally had teams of people thinking how to torture people better. Teams of people, brilliant people, engineers of suffering on how can we delay suffering to where they don't die quickly. And the news is for you, Daniel, and your people. The goat is Greece, Alexander the Great. And then the next section there, 9 through 14. The reason I'm just going through this quickly, it's just a story that you just walk through. And he, he gives you this story, and then he says, here's the interpretation. And I'm giving you some of the answers already. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. How did he know about America? So he's talking about Israel, right? He, he, remember, we're, we're, this is Israel. And some of them, sorry, uh, it grew great even to the host of heaven. And some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great, even as great as the prince of the host. And the regular burnt offering was taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown. And a host will be given over it, to, it, over it together with the regular burnt offering because of transgression. And it will throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the, one, of the, who, one of those who spoke, For how long? is this vision concerning the regular burnt offering. Notice this, all that bad news I just read, an angelic being stops and goes, how long is this going to happen? Those famous words in is Isaiah, Isaiah 6, 8, you know, here I am, Lord, send me. If, you, if you've ever done those mission conferences, like who, is, you know, who would do this? And so then like Isaiah is kind of like in this cowardly, fearful state, like I'd, uh, I guess I'm the only one here. And he says, here I am, Lord, send me. And then God says, hey, here's the message. And he goes, how long do I have to do that? Like immediately he wants to back out. Saint, this angelic being is even going, how long is this going to last? This is talking about Antiochus. So let me give you a little information about Antiochus. Um, Antiochus, here's the things. And I think I put it up on the. Um, I think I put it up on the the screen also. Um, this is a, uh, uh, someone writing about him. Most of us didn't know, but Antiochus Epiphanes was violently bitter against the Jews. He hated them, was determined to exterminate them and their religion. He devastated Jerusalem in 168 BC. So this is about 400 years from Daniel's vision. 400 years earlier, Daniel's talking about this guy that we just read those things, that he's going to trample things, he's going to destroy things, he's going to take the truth and try to destroy it. Look at the things that this guy does. He murdered tens of thousands. He defiled the temple. He offered a pig on its altar. He took a pig in. Anything more disgusting and unholy for the Jews 
than to take a pig in onto the, the temple, into the altar. He offered a pig on its altar. He erected a shrine to Jupiter, so all kinds of false gods, all kinds of sexual immorality, all those things dedicated to Jupiter where the Jews used to worship Yahweh. Prohibited temple worship. He forbade circumcision. He sold 40,000 Jews into slavery. He destroyed all copies of Scripture that could be found and slaughtered everyone found in the possession of God's Torah. Hey, Daniel, it's going to be horrific. There's spiritual warfare that's coming. And I'm not changing the circumstances. I'm just wanting to prepare you for that. So that, that's weighty. That's heavy. Like, you know, Daniel didn't grow the church in, you know, um, Babylon from, from that kind of message, right? So that's a lot of difficult, difficult suffering that they're going through. So I just want you to sense the weight of that. Um, notice there in verse, um, there's some, some difficulty with some of the, the translations, so uh, interpretation. Look in verse 13. As he said that, I heard a holy one speaking. How long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, for 2,300 evenings and mornings, and then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. So some people, if you take that interpretation and say, that's talking about the end times, so remember, it, depending on your eschatology, so if you're a pre-mill, um, a pre uh, uh pre-mill rapture um, person that believes that there's gonna, it's going to get worse and worse, and then there's going to be this seven-year period. Antichrist is going to show up. There's three and a half years of prospering, and then there's three and a half years of extreme suffering. Some of them get that from that. So you, that may be your camp. And, so, and then the Antichrist is going to come. And so um, I'm definitely not saying that that's not the deal. I, I, I do not know. I'm saying that's where they get part of this stance. What happened in this time at 168 B.C., here's what happened with Antiochus. So if you would say, um, this happened with Antiochus. He's talking about the 2300 evenings was this. When they destroyed um, Jerusalem in, in 168, in 164, literally three and a half years later, um, they come back and reset up the temple, and they also cleansed it and made it holy again. And so that, that's what some of them believe that the 2300 evenings or 2300 days refers to again. Is there a double meaning in that? Is, is, did that happen? Definitely. And then, is, is something like that going to happen then? I kind of lean it, it could be both. Um, but it's pretty clear here with Antiochus. Um, so the revelation gets more narrow as this little horn. So, so look at this. Um, verse. I'm going to go ahead and skip over that. Um, look in verses 15 through 27. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. So he has this desire to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, and it called, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So um, Daniel is trying to understand it. Notice the, the beautiful gift here. Don't look over God's grace and going, let me provide interpretation. And so an angelic being provides interpretation there. So he came near and I, where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. Uh, again, with all of our people that now say that they got to go to heaven or they got to, they, that God's told them special revelation, just be careful. So, so anytime someone comes and tells you that they have new revelation from God, 
they're not understanding that what they're saying is at the end of this in Revelation that now God has spoken to them something new that should be added in here. We consider that kind of dangerous, right? And so be careful. So when someone comes and says, hey, Sankey, God said that I must, I'm just like, okay. I mean, I don't slap them. I don't like, you know, throw holy water on them and watch it. I don't like do this. I just go, man, you know, I kind of listen for a while. Their content is they don't realize what they're saying is now we've got a situation where God said to do something, to obey him, and now if this person doesn't and I don't, we're in disobedience. So we kind of added to Scripture, and now are we going to be obedient to that? That's a difficulty. So just be careful. Even you're, you're, you might say, the Lord told me this morning to just, just, just think through your wording on those things. Like did the Lord or did you just kind of have this thought, like I want to bless them by doing that. Or, you know, I was kind of thinking this. And so um, notice God gives interpretation of those things. And so just be careful when we, when we have a lot of people that, that nowadays are just saying, and there's, you know, they, I got to go to heaven. And then you know, five years later, the kid admits, no, my dad talked me into it. I was five years old, probably pretty impressionable. And we made lots of money off the book. And now it's like, we're, you know, uh, yeah, my dad told me to do that. And so those things are happening. And so we've got to be careful um, because this this interpretation is from an angelic being. And notice that Daniel's response, he falls on his face. Usually, we've got people just kind of proudly walking around heaven, just like, you know, like I had my iPhone, I was taking pictures, and here's what it looked like. And so every time people come in contact with those top glorious beings, they're, they're fearful. We would be fearful. And so just, just think through that. Um, uh, and he spoke to me, and I felt into a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and made me stand up. He said, behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation. So again, now you've got an interpretational situation. Is that talking about the very end of the world? Or is this fitting in the context of Medo-Persian situation, and then the ram comes, then the goat comes, and you've got the um, Greece and, and Alexander the Great, and then you have Antiochus, and in that context, he's speaking to that. So I kind of, because of the wording here, I line up that in that context, it's talking about that. Is there going to still be some stuff that goes down later? I, I believe there is. I don't think this is specifically trying to be detailed. I think God is going, I'm not telling you. I'm not going to give you all of this. So um, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation. Probably talking about Antiochus. For it refers to the appointed time of the end. Again, oh, end times? Or appointed time meaning just God is in control of that. I'm appointing that time. I'm in control of that time. Um, and then it says, as for the ram you saw with the two horns, these are the kings, Media and Persia. And the goat is the king of Greece, Alexander the Great. So no question there, right? Um, and the great horn between his eyes is the first king. First king what? Probably most people say the one after that. And so that's when um, with, with Greece, then you had Rome, Antiochus. What happens when Antiochus is taken down? Four guys rise up to take on um, the, the whole area. And so the four guys there, um, I have their names somewhere in here. Um, it's four guys that very clearly, it was so specific and detailed that most scholars say there's no way Daniel could have done this back at, you know, 500 years earlier, 450 years earlier. There's no way he could have said the Medo-Persian. They say that Daniel ended in seven and then in about, you know, 160 B.C., 140 B.C., someone else started writing Daniel 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 because he was so exact. 
It's the Medo-Persians. It's Greece, Alexander the Great. It's Rome, Antiochus. He's so specific. They believe that scholars believe that, that this was added at the end. Well, we believe God sees all, that God did all this, that God, God foretold all this and was preparing his people. So that brings us to this idea of our thoughts on the suffering and the sovereignty of God. Can you imagine? It, 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 it ha- no, no matter if God was you know, just not giving them preparation and just like closed his eyes and didn't want didn't to communicate to them, which, again, that's why I believe he did. He did lovingly want to prepare them. So if he, if he wasn't talking about this time period, why did he let them go through all that with no warning or anything, right? He told them exactly what this was. And so um, in that, God allowed all that so- uh, sovereign suffering to take place. So what's God's purpose for all this to happen to Israel? Um, What's God's purpose for when we go through times of suffering and trials? What do you turn to? Where do you look? Remember, God's screaming, I see you in that trial. I see you in suffering. I see you in that situation. I'm in control. I'm in control of all places. Stop trying to to, to play God. You're, You're not good at it. And, and I'm the one that you need to turn to in the middle of that. He's wanting Israel, Judah, to turn to him in the middle of all of this dreadful suffering that's going on. Here's the key phrase for me in, 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 in chapter 8. There, this 23 through 27. He says, And at the latter end of their kingdom, meaning, so Medo-Persia, Greece, Alexander the Great, and then here's Rome, when the transgressors have reached their limits, so at, at, the, and at the latter end of their kingdom, that's context to me. That's saying, I'm not, I didn't just stop here and go talk about you know, 2,500 years later. I think this is talking about the immediate situation with Antiochus. Um, and at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold-faced, one who understands riddles, this is Antiochus, shall arise. His power shall be great, but not by his own power. And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he, is, he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints." By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many, and he shall even rise up against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken, but not by human hand. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true, but seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. So again, I believe that this was speaking specifically about Antiochus, but then Part of that was saying there's going to be an antichrist that we looked at in 1 John and 2 John. We saw some other places that talked about that where back in Daniel to where it's talking about towards the end, there will be an antichrist that would probably rise up. Um, I believe this is the dual um, significance of Scripture here. Very complex, very difficult. God chose not to be specific. Just be careful when people around you are trying to take one sentence and tell you exactly, this is that guy, this is that guy. Um, and, and, and they don't realize all that happened to Judah. They're usually looking from an American perspective and going, what's going to happen? What world power is about to take down America? That, that's not what the Scripture is speaking about. He's speaking about God's people all over the world, not just America. So we're not worried about which leader is coming to hurt America. We're thinking through, biblically speaking, God's people who is against God's people. Um, And so that's why this is very clear. This happened to God's people at this time period. So 
the last thing that happens here. Antiochus' death, it says, he shall even rise up against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. So um, this is extra biblical literature. So Second Maccabees um, is in the Catholic Bible. So there's uh, several books in the Roman Catholic Bible that we didn't include that we believe had some errors in it and stuff. Second, some of it is just some historical things, um, but um, it was not included in our canon. But Second Maccabees gives a... Um, uh, a, a rundown of what happened with Antiochus. And so again, this is not scripture, but it, it's telling us, man, this is exactly what happened to Antiochus upon his death, which said it wasn't by a human hand. It said he finished a speech and he was seized with this sharp pain and it was unrelenting in his bowels, like described as this sharp internal torture. He entered his chariot and his, his chariot's building up to full speed and he goes flying out of the chariot and the chariot just runs over him and it crushes every limb in his body. And so by no human hand. And so um, you know, that's what Second Maccabee says. This is what happened to Antiochus. So if that's what happened, I mean, you just see there, even if, you know, and that's not, that's not like a biblical narrative. That's just saying historically, here's what they say happened to him. So a crazy story. Um, so notice what Daniel lands on here. Daniel lands on this. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business. I want you to notice this. Devastating news. Your people, Israel, are going to be devastated for years and years, generations and generations. It's not getting better. Daniel, your life, it's not just getting better. The news came and it wasn't great news that circumstances are changing. So how do you deal with that? And what does he do? Faithfulness. He goes to what gave God had put in his life as faithfulness. So what do we do when we don't know about the end times, what we don't know what's going on with these? Faithfulness to what we know he's told us to do. Great commandment. Great commission. Don't get distracted by all these little things on the side when, when I'm not faithful at his word and prayer, the spiritual discipline, loving these people around me, discipling my own children, discipling people around my life. If we're not doing those things, but we're all worried about all these little things out here, we're missing it. So Daniel is overcome. He comes back to himself, gets back to faithfulness in the king's business, and says, I was appalled by the vision. It did not understand it. If Daniel has repeatedly, over 85 years, gone back and forth with God and direct angels, and they said, here's how it's going to be, and he is overwhelmed going, I, 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 it's so overwhelming for my heart, I don't get it. All of Israel, all these years, and told about this one that's going to come, this Messiah, this Messiah, this Messiah. And then Jesus hits the scene, doing miracles, everything the Old Testament talked about, his own 12 disciples and the 120 close to him, they don't get it. Hey, in a few days, the chief priests are going to come and they're going to crucify me. And then I'm going to rise three days later. And what is everyone doing after they see him, after he's risen three days later? We don't understand. Let's go back fishing. So if we think that Daniel in direct communication with God and angels, the disciples who lived and walked with Jesus every day, he told them, here's what's happening. Tomorrow, here's what's happening. It happens, and they still go, we don't know. We don't know. But we think that because a guy writes a couple of blogs or that I can go in there and just like, well, here's what I think it means. J just be careful of that. Just be careful. Are you being faithful to what God has clearly put in front of you? 
We want to be a loving place, grace-oriented, where people can have some of those different beliefs and stuff, and we're not going not to black and white get mad at people for disagreements on those things. So Daniel is overwhelmed there. So if that's the main message, I want to, in closing, just say, what do we see that God's wanting to communicate to Israel, again, through this very complex chapter 8, chapter 9, 10, 11, 12? Um, Israel, and then therefore I would say, his word going to the church. First, I know and see all things. It's going to feel like I don't. I see you in the middle of that storm. It's going to feel like that I don't see you. Secondly, I'm sovereign and in control of all things. Stop trying to play God. Stop trying to control all the variables. I am God. I'm sovereign. And then third, You're small, weak, and needy. So look to me and see me for who I am. And then the fourth one, of course, because we have the revelation of Christ. So what does Daniel 8 point us to Christ about? You have seen and heard of the one true king, the righteous judge that we talked about three or four weeks ago, who come and the judge says, I'm taking off my robe of righteousness. I'm going to the guilty box. I'm going to die and substitute myself in your place and you get to wear my robe of righteousness. Your sins are forgiven. You get to go free. You're justified, stamped, not guilty, and I take on the wrath of God in your place. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of King Jesus. He has taken our wrath for sins. He has offered up forgiveness to us, new life in his kingdom that will never end. He's defeated death and overcome suffering, even though he didn't avoid suffering. So for us, Whatever we're going through, God sees you in the middle of that. He's in control. It may not feel like it. Uh, That's my thing every week. But King Jesus is reigning, and he's renewing all things in his kingdom. So let's be the first ones that would have a message to a world who's went through a funky 14 months of COVID and and all kinds of questions, uh, an election year, and all kinds of other things that have happened in our country, in our world, Guys, there's, there's, there's travesties going on right now all across the world. Let, let's be aware, and, and let's give people the hope of Christ in the middle of that. Let's be people who communicate that, not arguing on you know, what, what, what the end has to look like and what it has to be this person, and using uh, all of our time for that instead of lovingly being aware. So let me pray as we go into the Lord's Supper. Father, we um, thank you for your word. Um, I pray that you would use some of the things that I brought up um, to bring clarity to people, not specifically on just what was Daniel's interpretation or Daniel's dream, but God, more the picture of you. As we walk out of here, what what does it say about you, God? I, I don't understand that you allow us to go through incredible suffering. Um, I don't understand that we see tragedies every day, but you are ultimately perfectly wise. So when things happen, it wasn't a wiser plan if that wouldn't have happened in certain ways. So God, help us to be a people that understand your sovereignty. Help us to understand not just your sovereignty, but that you are a loving, engaging God in the middle of that. You're not just sovereign, you're near and you're compassionate. Jesus didn't avoid suffering. Jesus didn't avoid the path of the cross. Would you help us be followers 
who don't avoid the path of the cross. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we have hope in Christ. We pray that you just do a work in us as we start preparing to go through this season of prayer, study of your word, fasting. Would you let us be a people who become a loving expression of joy, ready to share the truth in gospel deed and gospel word, embracing those that are very different from us and loving the world around us. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we go to the Lord's Supper, um, um, we participate where if you're um, even visiting, um, you can do um, the Lord's Supper with us in communion where um, it's uh, open communion. And we always have the celebration aspect that um, this is not based on what you've done this week, how good you've been, whether you've sinned 10 times or 100 times. Um, sometimes if you've done the 100 this week, then, then you may need it even more to remember that this represents and is symbolic of what Christ has done. It's not based on my own efforts. And so sometimes if you're just in the middle of sin and you just believe it and you're thinking that you're a believer and you're just in the middle of all kinds of crazy sin, sometimes it's better to let that cut pass and not partake of it. Um, it says that man, there's sicknesses, illnesses, and even death for some if they keep partaking and don't take the seriousness and then they trample under their feet the blood of Christ. And so we want it to be sobering, but we also want to be celebrating what Jesus has done each week as we go out. And so I'm going to give you just a minute to pray as we uh, prepare, and then I'll release you to go get the Lord's Supper, and you can go and do it in your, in, in your chairs or in groups or standing um, as families. And so I'm going to give you a moment just to pray and respond to the Lord.